finances and all this stuff's okay as tools to add to, right? You hear me? We try to fix ourselves, make ourselves better. That's who we are as Americans. If you can't afford to go to school, the library's free. I heard an amazing speech the other day, and I'm not going to say the name because he's a lightning rod to some people. (laughs) Gave an amazing speech at a conservative rally. And this man said that I couldn't go to college. I couldn't afford it. He said, I went for one semester and I took one class and I couldn't afford it. He goes, but the library was free. And he goes, I got myself a degree in studying in the library. Because there's this independent thing that's healthy in us to make ourselves better. But if we do that without his presence, if we do that without him being the center of all the things that we add... It can't be we're adding all these things to make our inside better. It has to be from the inside out. It has to be His presence is what causes me to want to improve in these areas. I can add all the wisdom and all the knowledge. And what does the Bible say about wisdom and knowledge? Besides that get it at all getting, get knowledge and wisdom. It also says that wisdom can puff up. It can make you proud. Wisdom, revelation from yesterday that we don't apply, that only stays in our mind, becomes tradition. It becomes religion, and it becomes powerless. All right, we're going somewhere with this today. I want you to understand, you and I can't do marriage without his presence in our marriage. As much as we love our wife or our husband, as much as we love our kids, we can't do parenting without the presence of God in our home. If, if, you're, if you're off just a little bit, If the cylinders of your life are just a little off, it's a tick off. It's not because you need to get more self-help books. It's not because you need to become more educated. You need more of his presence. It's the solution to all of our issues. That's it. It's the solution to the problems in society. His presence. Why? Because where he is, there is liberty. Where he is, there is liberty. Peace. And I don't want us as a church to do things and not, his, not have his presence. I believe that's very rebellious. I really do. I don't want to stand up here and speak without his presence. I can't do this without him. We can't keep the church doors open without his presence. We may think we're really slick and smart and we can read all the marketing books that we want to, which I'm all for. I read one yesterday. That's great. But without his presence, it's independence. He doesn't want us to become independent. He wants us to partner with him. What independence does in the church is it creates a, I'll take care of me, you take care of you. I can't judge you or, or, or speak anything into your life until I take care of me. And that's kind of a good way to approach it because you don't want to tick people off, right? And just always pointing out their flaws and never taking correction ourselves. But that's the kingdom and, and Christianity is about covenant. Why don't you say that word with me, covenant? It's about commitment. It's about marriage. It's about a partnership. He doesn't want to move independently in your life. He doesn't want to have to come down and just do things that you don't really know he's doing. I want you to hear this. God doesn't want to just perform a miracle and you're like, man, I don't know where that came from. Just out of nowhere, God did a miracle after miracle. Well, that's fine when they happen every now and then. But he wants you to know what's coming. He wants you to partner with him to create his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. 
He doesn't want to work independently from you. Some of us view God as he's way up there and I'm over here and I'm fighting to get by. And every now and when I need his help, I'll talk to him. And every now and when he needs to get my attention, he comes and calls me. That's not how this works. You and I, when we said yes to him, we entered into a marriage covenant with him. We became one with him. I can't do anything without him. I, he, he doesn't want to do anything without me. This is a partnership. And I'm, I'm serious about this. It, it's about hosting him every day in our homes. It's about hosting him in our cars, in our marriages, having his presence there, the realization that he's here. It's not just when I walk into a place that's called a church. It's not just when I turn on music on the radio that's worship. It's not even just when I open the Bible that he, he appears all, suddenly. I open the Bible and it's like he's a genie. All of a sudden, God's here. We sing worship songs together and, whoa, I feel God. I haven't felt him in a while. I haven't felt him since Tuesday. He doesn't want us to live that kind of existence. He wants to be an ever-present help. He wants to be the omnipresent, always there, always with us. You know, we say this here a lot because this is our philosophy. If we can host God's presence in our homes, in our marriages, then we can host him in our church. If we don't get it right at home first, we can fight all we want and kind of have some exciting things happen at church. But if we don't take it home and put more uh, coal on the fire or more uh, lumber on there to keep the fire burning, then it'll just continue to start, stop, start, stop. But the Lord wants us to go where we carry his presence with us. You know, in ancient times when they finally discovered and they made fire, they had a big problem. They're like, man, we created this wonderful fire. We can cook food on it. It keeps away the animals. It keeps us warm. But it's right there. What do we do with it? We can't take it with us. So we have to go over here and we have to rub these sticks together for four hours and tear our hands up until we get fire again. So they're like, we've got to do something to figure out how to take this fire with us. So they found things that would burn and they would stuff it with these certain kinds of funguses and they found things in nature that they could light on fire and it would stay hot. It would stay, it would stay cold, the coal would stay burning. And when they needed to transport fire, they would put that stuff there and get it on fire. They put it in their pack and they would march to the next place where the animals were a little bit more um, diverse and there was more stuff to eat. And they would take that pack out and they would take that fungus or whatever they used to keep the fire going and they would set the wood down and they would just blow on it and the fire would come again. The Lord doesn't want us to just have a fire here and, oh, well, the fire's gone. Now we've got to build another fire over here. He wants us to take it with us, transport it with us everywhere that we go. It changed uh, history when man figured out how to transport fire. He wants you and I to figure out how to transport fire. It'll change history. If I walk into the gas station and I remember that he's with me, it will change history. If I go into the doctor's office and I meet the doctor and we talk and I remember his presence goes wherever I go, then it will change the course of history. If I drop my kids at, at school and I'm worried, oh, I don't want Josiah to go to school, but I know that I've put his presence in, inside of Josiah and I've taught him to walk with God, then I know that wherever Josiah goes, the presence of God goes with him. And I'm not afraid as a parent. <laughs> He's here right now. We sing it this morning. Heaven is here now. It's all around us. Heaven is Jesus. It's the moment we meet. 
This is what this is for. It, this is what would transform culture. We talked about it last week. You know, we can have the great revivals, and revivals are awesome. They're wonderful. But like in the desert, those soft grounds are only formed. They're formed when there's a, a great flood that comes through, but it's only when the ground's soft. The only way that the, the geography changes is when there's a constant presence of the river, when the rocks are harder. So we can have a great revival, and people that are kind of wanting to find God may stumble in and say, dude, I've been looking for this. Their hearts are already softened. But when their hearts are hard, they need a consistent presence of, of God wherever they go so it can steadily just wear down their defenses. Because the Bible says that taste and see that the Lord is good. How many of you have, have tasted and seen He's good? <laughs> How many knows that it's his kindness that draws us close to him? It's his presence. It's like he came in the room and I had all these things that I deserved to be punished for. Yet instead of hitting me, he hugged me. Instead of withdrawing love, because that's what we think we deserve when we mess up. Instead of withdrawing love from us, he gave us more love. Because it says where iniquity abounds, grace even much more abounds. I don't understand it, to be completely honest. I don't understand how, how a God that can make anything happen would choose to operate like this, but he does. Because he's, he's an intimate God. He's not a far off. He's not a distant God. He's not a cosmic genie. He's not a cosmic judge that's just sitting up there ready to punish people. He's a friend. He's a lover. He's someone that wants to be intimate with the details of our life. He's, I, if we could just become more aware and tune our senses right we would begin to see that He is with us all the time, that He is always talking to us, that He is giving us wisdom and revelation continually. And it's all about us just opening ourselves to Him. This thing's all about His presence. It's not about anything else. It's not about your spiritual giftings. It's not about your ability to lead people. It's not about your ability to be a good husband or wife. It's not about that. It's about your ability to host His presence. That's, the, that's the, the greatest common denominator. That's it. If you broke it down to the lowest common denominator, that's what it would be, his presence. We can't do life without it. Now, I want us to go after this as a church, not just while we're here together. I mean, it's fun to come to church together and just go after it. It's fun. I enjoy it. I really do. I have fun. I can be in a kind of not a good mood and walk in here and, See all you guys, and all of a sudden, it's fun. It's fun to go to church. I think it is. <laughs> you may not right now, but I think it's fun. But I don't want to do this without His presence. I want it to, I want it to become bigger and bigger and bigger. Amen? How many want, want the same thing? We've made a decision here that we, we want to allow people that are satisfied with lack or with a mediocre, restrict us from pursuing His presence. Years ago, when, when I was a youth pastor, I was kind of scared of the spiritual things sometimes. You're a youth pastor. You're praying in tongues during worship. You get a little bit excited or you start doing something that's a little bit strange. And the majority of your youth group is just now thinking Jesus is okay. Jesus is just all right. <laughs> right? And you're, you're kind of like, I don't want to scare him away, so let's be really careful with how we manifest this stuff, right? Let's be careful how we, how we operate in, in God. 
So let's let the majority of people that aren't sure about this dictate the feel of our room. That is completely shifted inside of me. Like there's a bulldog thing that's come inside of me that says, you know what? If there's one person in the room, even if it's only me, that's connected with God, I'm going to set the mood of the room. If, there's, if Matilda's out in the audience and I just see, man, she's, she's got it today. She's zoned in. I'm like, God, let Matilda set the atmosphere for this room. Even if all the rest of us are just out nowhere and we're tired and we stayed up too late last night and we're thinking about cooking out and watching the Cowboys beat them Redskins, right, or whatever it is, I don't want the majority of the room, if it's negative, to create the atmosphere. I want the people that are pursuing God to create the atmosphere. In that process, the majority of the room will begin to pursue the manifest presence, the presence of God. And so that's kind of how we want to do things around here, right? So it's okay if we're a little bit weird to you. I want you to know we're real people. We're real people. We have bills, you know. We have all kinds of stuff. But we know there's more. We know there's more than this. And Jesus provided more at the cross than what we are experiencing right now. How many believe that? I'm just kind of talking today. How many believe Jesus provided more at the cross than what we've experienced? Man, we've got that eternal life thing down because we don't want to go to hell for eternity. Like, dude, I'm for sure believing in that because the alternative is scary, (laughs) right? So we've got that eternal life thing down. It's easy. Oh, yeah, I know. When I die, I'm going to go to heaven. But, man, we've missed out on so much more. He came to give us life abundantly. Do you think it matters that your, your body's completely healthy and whole when you're in, turn, in eternity? It's going to be. You're going to have a glorified body. So he provided healing for the here and now. He provided peace for the here and now, not for later. Are you all okay? So we have to have his presence, right? I want to read a couple of things. Are you good, Sarah? In Luke chapter 10, verse 38, I want to read these scriptures. So if you have your Bible, I want you to see it in your Bible. If you don't, you're welcome. I'm just playing. (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) See, I'm a real person. I'm a real live boy. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. In verse 39, it says, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Everybody good so far? All right, next. Verse 40, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to come help me. Verse 41, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and I will not be taken away from her. For those of us that are, that are, that's easy for us to just go after God and like, we're the Marys. How many people are Marys in the room? Marys are the ones that, hey, the table needed to be set. The food needed to be brought to the table. But it didn't matter. Jesus was there. I want to be with Jesus. 
How many people are like that? It doesn't matter what needs to be done. I need to be with Jesus. There's, there's probably less people in the room that are like that. More of us are probably like Martha, right? Martha's like, well, I got to do this and I got to do that. And if this isn't just perfect and that's not just perfect, then it's just going to all fall apart, blah, 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 right? And so Martha's angry and frustrated. She's like, Jesus, tell her to help out, pull her weight. And Jesus goes, she's chosen the best thing. Of all the things that you're doing, thank you for inviting me to your house. But didn't you invite me here to be with me? Do you think that I really need your food? I mean, I can take five loaves and two fish and feed thousands of people. Do you really think that I need the water or the wine or whatever it is you're providing for? Do you think I really need that stuff? I didn't come here for the food. I came here to be with you. And I'm not going to be taken away from Mary. She's chosen the right thing. So I just want to ask you in the room, I want to ask you to, to, to shift your focus. It doesn't give us an excuse to not do things, right? <laughs> like, oh, let's just let it all go. Let's not mow the yard. Let's not clean the church. Let's just come in here and have church. Let's not even practice. Let's not do any PowerPoint. Uh, let's just come in and see what happens. That's not what we're saying. The things we do at church, they're here to, to host him. They're there to hold his presence. Does that make sense? They're like a bowl, and he's to be poured out. But I want you in your daily life to pursue his presence. Make it the first thing you do when you get up. If you're not a morning person and you're better at night, still try it. If it doesn't work, then that's cool. Last thing you do before you go to bed, spend time with the Lord. I mean, seriously. Make him a priority. Spend time with him. We get to know him and his presence begin to fill our lives. Right? And it won't just be that moment. I want to read one more thing. I want to say this first, though. We were not made as machines for production and for performance. So you need to hear that. You were not made, Mark, as a machine for production and performance. Paul, you weren't made for performance, production. Robbie, you weren't made for performance production. Terrence, you know I was coming to you, brother. (laughs) Workaholic. (laughs) You weren't made for performance and production. You were made to encounter him. You were made for him. All the things we do for him, that's great. It's fun. It's our offerings to him. And I think he's like, oh, how cute. Cute. He made me a little swan out of foil. It's beautiful. I've got a million of these things, but what I really want is to be with you. All that stuff's nice. It's fun, but we weren't created as machines and robots. I must perform for God. I must bring people to church. I have to give my tithes. Robotic. It felt robotic a little bit today. We weren't made to be robots. You good? (laughs) We were made to produce fruit, though. How many believe that? How can you produce fruit without being a robot or a machine? John 15. And we're going to read this, and we'll just close it out. John 15, 1 through 8. And again, you're welcome. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit. 
while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will become even more fruitful. This next verse, I haven't got complete revelation over it, but it blows me and blows me away every time I read it. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken into you. Some, someone here, you need to ask God to give you great revelation on that. That's amazing. Verse 4, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. Remember that independence thing? It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 6, 7, and 8 says, If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into a fire to be burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. How many think that's a pretty awesome passage of Scripture? We weren't created to be machines or robots to, to produce. We were made as, as intimate beings that through abiding in relationship with Christ, production would come from it. Of all the ways that God could have set up, be fruitful and multiply, why did he choose the method that he chose? I mean, think about it. It's kind of odd. I'm speaking of sex, in case you're wondering. It's an odd thing. God could have come up with anything. Animals reproduce that way. Plants have their strange and various ways that they reproduce. It's kind of an odd thing. God could have done anything he wanted to for reproduction to take place. But he chose one man, one woman in an intimate covenant of marriage to be fruitful. Fruit was meant to come from a place of intimacy. Are you good? He wants us to be fruitful. But the only way we can really be fruitful is to abide in him. That means I have to be aware of him. All the time. And this is going to take adjustment. So we're going to close with this. <clears throat> this is where it, it's going to take us dialing in. Because some of us veg out. Some of our minds wander. And I heard someone say something really funny recently. I think it was, maybe it was Isaiah. I think it was Isaiah. He's like, women have always wondered when they ask their husband, what are you thinking about? And the husband says, nothing. They're really not thinking about anything. That it's possible for men to not think about anything. <laughs> right, guys? What are you thinking about right now? Nothing. <laughs> Sorry. We veg out. We go through life. We have our, our routine that lulls us to sleep, right? And the Lord wants us to just be alert, be awake. Be alert. Send the radar out. Lord, the Lord's presence is with me wherever I go, wherever I go. Y'all all right? It's all about his presence. It's not about performance. It's not about doing church. It's not about doing marriage, doing parenting. All comes from his presence. We're about to launch into doing more outreach. And, and when I mean outreach, I don't mean, would you like to come to my church? I look really safe, don't I? Look, here's my wife and kids, just, to, just so you know. We're a safe Look, we've even got mixed colored people in our church. Look, we brought them to the door with us, right? <laughs> all the things we do to try, try to tell people, hey, we're okay, come to our church. We're not going to do that, all right? 
Because you come in contact with people every day you have influence with. And all they need to do is to have a little bit of the fire that you're carrying around with you. That's all they need. And so, um, how many of you have ever heard of furious love? I know Jonathan, Lisa, Matilda, some of us. We, this is a Christian movie. It's like a documentary. And if you want to buy it, I encourage you to, to find it and buy it. You can go to, I think Bethel's website has it. Where else? Where else they have it? Destiny Image, I think, maybe somewhere. If you want to buy it, see me. We're going to show this movie in the next couple of weeks. I'm going to put a date on it um, because we're going to do some outreach in October. And it's, it's called Furious Love. And it's literally a man documenting taking the love of God around the world. It's encountering demonic oppression. It's encountering prostitution, witchcraft, anything you can think of with the love of God, taking the love with them. And that's what we're going to do as a church. And that's why I, I felt it's so important to talk about it today. Because we can't go to them and offer the world and not provide the world. You know what I mean? Did you hear that? We can't offer them, hey, Jesus will make your life better. He can fix your marriage and not be able to give them the substance that fixes their marriage. We've got to be able to provide what we say we're selling. We're not selling our church. We're not selling a religion. We're selling his presence. So you and I have to become so much more aware. Dude, he is with me right now. Whoa, he just gave me something about the waiter. I got to tell him. Hey, what's up, man? God wanted me to tell you something. Right? Anyone ever done that? Will you try that this week? God, make me aware of someone that I'm not, that I would normally just go to the grocery store and hurry out. Make me aware that you're with me and let me give some of you away to them. Let me find somebody. Somebody. Will everyone find somebody this week? Uh, not everybody did it. <sighs> Why does that scare you? You can answer. It's okay. <laughs> are you insecure? Is it insecurity? You don't know who you are? You're afraid of being wrong? Did you know you can never be wrong when you just love somebody? When you love somebody. I'm telling you, I have a jukebox playing in my head all the time. I get it from my mom. If you've ever met my mom, you know, she drove me nuts as a kid because everything was a song. And now I'm becoming my mother. <laughs> It's always 80s songs, I don't, or foreigner, or weird stuff, right? You can't go wrong when you just love somebody and treat them right. Why else does it scare us to tell people about God? That they don't want him? That, that they don't, what, do we see that as they're rejecting God or rejecting us? Both, <laughs> probably. Yeah. 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 There's a stigma related to Christianity and Jesus. It's robot. Perform. So we can't go to the to people with robot perform mode. It has to be his presence. So we had to stir it up in our homes, right? Stir it up. 
That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's a little bit different today, but this is what's on my heart. There's more notes we could go through later at some point, but if we can host this presence in our home, we can host them in our church. What's the rest of that? If we can host them in our church, we can host them in our community. Starts in the home. Amen? You guys all right? Would you stand? Thank you so much. In Exodus, Moses said, "Um, God, if you don't go with me, I'm not going. Everyone remember that? God told Moses, no, look, God, uh, you need to hear this. Moses told God, excuse me. I'm not going if you don't go with me. That's going to be our prayer to end this, okay? David had a prayer in Psalm 27, verse 4. He says, One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever and gaze upon his beauty and seek him. Like these guys figured it out. Dude, if you don't go, God, there's no sense in us going. If you're not with me every second of the day, then this is wasted. Your presence is everything to us. So it's going to take practice at home, right? All right. Why don't you pray for your neighbor that, that they will be a hosting place for the presence of God, a dwelling place, a house. But we ask that you would come and live in us, that your presence would come be in our lives, that you would manifest your presence in our lives, Lord, that everywhere we go, we will take you with us. And where you are, there's freedom. And where you are, there's liberty. And where you are, there's comfort. I ask that you would help us to take that to everyone. Lord, put across the, the part, across our heart what Moses said. Lord, if you don't go with us, we don't want to go. If you're not with us, we don't want to do this. If If you're not in our lives every second of the day, then we don't want this. And you feel the same way. You want to be with us. So, God, I ask that you would increase your presence in our lives, Lord. Increase the the sensitivity to your presence, Lord. Change our agendas. I have a question for everyone real quick. What happens to you to make you aware of his presence? Have you figured out like what your thing is that, oh, wow. Hey, (laughs) he's here. I think everyone needs to figure out what that thing is for us. Like, 
that thing that snaps our, our consciousness to where we're in sync with heaven, and we're like, whoa, God's in the room. What happens in the middle of a worship service, and you feel God enter into the room? How do you know that he's in the room? For you, it's probably different for everyone, or it may be some of the similar things, but how do you know when, oh, God's presence is here? You need to figure out what that feeling is and become more aware of it, become more sensitive to it. Look for it. There's, there are certain physical things that happen to me. I know when God comes in the room, there's things that happen to me that I feel he's in the room. And, it, and sometimes it's different things. But I'm learning, oh, wow. Because I wasn't listening somewhere else, you figured out another way to trigger my consciousness to realize you're here. And all of us have those triggers. We just need to learn what they are. All right? So we need to practice. How many have ever felt the presence of God? be a great place to start. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I just wanted to say too, I think that I feel like there's people in the room that think I can't go witness God to someone else because I don't have scriptures memorized. And I don't know how to tell them what the Bible says about this and the Bible says about that. Some of you don't feel confident in that. And you think, well, I don't have the Bible memorized, so how can I go witness to somebody and get them saved? And Because maybe some of you, that's how you were saved by the Lord, is somebody came up and shared with you what the Word of God said. And what Pastor was just talking about and us being aware of his presence, for me, it's the love of God. It, and it's just knowing his love for me, no matter where I am, where I come from, what I'm doing right now, the fact that he loves me unconditionally. And I, what I want each of you to know is that when you go out and you share just, just his love, that he, that you've experienced, that God's given to you, and you can tell your testimony. Everybody in this room can tell and share how you experienced God for the first time. Every person in this room can say, you know what? I remember I was at this place this day and this lady walked up to me and this, or this man walked up to me, or I was in church and the pastor said this or whatever it was, however you came to the Lord, everybody can share a story. Every single one of us can do that. And so when you meet people and you can sense that they need God, you can see that you see that they're walking and they're living in sin, or maybe they're in turmoil and you can just see that they're all fretful, whatever it is that you come across. Maybe it's somebody has a blowout on the side of the road. You know, don't just pass that car. That can be an opportunity for you to get to share the love of God. Your actions by stopping to help them is going to speak a million words to them. But then you have an opportunity right then to say, you know what? I've been on the side of the road before. I've been on the side of the road before, stranded. And there, there's an opportunity right there to tell your story. And you know what? You don't always have to tell your story. Sometimes it's just by that love, by that one act of random just kindness that you show per, a person what God, who God is, and that's coming from within you. And a lot of times we miss out, though, on the, you know, the final of that. We don't take it further. We can go out and share the love, but then we don't explain where it came from or why we're that way. You know, and it's real simple to say, you know what? They might say, golly, all these cars were passing me and you stopped. Why did you stop? They're questioning that. They're wondering what made you different from the 200 cars that passed me today? What made you different? And then you can tell them, you know what? If it wasn't for God at work in my life, when, when God sent somebody to rescue me on the side of the road one day, 
I'd be right where you are. You know, I mean, that, that's the kind of mentality that we've got to get, that it's really, you've got to keep it real simple, okay? You've got to keep it really simple. Don't make it a difficult or hard thing. So this week when pastor's challenging you to do that, it's not for this church's benefit. He's not saying it like, I want you to do that to get more people in our church. He's saying because he wants the love of God to be shed abroad. And you know who does that in our hearts? It's the working of the Holy Spirit. So I just feel like anybody that's here that wants prayer for that, that you want to have that love of God to where so strong that you just cannot keep it to yourself. We have to be filled to overflowing with God's love or we're not even driven to share it. So I want you to raise your hand right now if you feel like your, your love tank's empty. <laughs> like I don't, my love tank is real empty. I don't feel like I can share it with anybody else because I don't feel like I have it for myself. I just want to pray the love of God over you right now. Would you raise your hands? Father, I just thank you that you would come in right now like a flood. And I thank you that you would just fill up the people in this room so full to overflowing God, so full to overflowing that they're back like when they they first received you, Lord, when they first said yes to you in their hearts, God, that they would be so full, God, that they cannot do anything but talk about your love, Father, that they can't help but share the love of God because they know how powerful it is in their life, Father, and they want to see that for other people, God. I pray, Father, that there is no emptiness. There's no lack, Father. There's no lack in this room. And, Father, there's no shortage. I thank you, Father, that no matter what we've done, where we're at, what we're doing, God, that we can experience and receive your love freely, Father. Freely we have received that love, and now you want us to freely give it, God. And I pray that it's in freedom that we do that, Father. I pray that you come and you would set the captives free right now. Every person that is bound and captive of feeling like they are not even worthy of your love, Father, set them free and let them know that there is no such thing as the unlovable. There is no such thing as the unlovable. There is no person on this planet that is unlovable because you have said that we are all lovable. We're all worthy, God. And we just thank you for it. We thank you for it. And Father, I just want to pray right now over people in this room that don't feel like they're living right and they don't feel like that they're right with God. I just really want to take this opportunity and you know who you are and you know just where you're at. If you feel separated from God, you know who you are. I don't need you to raise your hand. God sees you. And I want you to know that your separation or your lack of his presence in your life has nothing to do with what you do or your behavior. It has absolutely nothing to do with that. It's the fact that you just haven't walked in and just taken it. God doesn't hide or withhold his love from you because you're not living right. God is not afraid of your sin. It does not surprise him and it does not scare him. He's not intimidated by it. He knew you were going to do it before you did. So now all you have to do is just turn around, stop ignoring him. He's always with you. Don't ignore him because you feel shameful right now. I just want to pray that. Father, I just thank you for the people that are in the room, God, that are walking with guilt and shame and condemnation, Father. I pray that right now they would turn around to see you standing there. Father, I pray that you would let them know in their hearts that you never left, that you would never leave them or forsake them no matter what they do, God, and that they can always just turn right around and you'll be standing right there. Father, I thank you that they'll take it seriously, God, that the fact that your presence is constantly offered to them, Father. 
And Lord, that they wouldn't turn away or try to hide every time they make a mistake, but that they would constantly keep turning to you and asking you to take it. Father, I thank you that they wouldn't strive in their own effort to try to clean themselves up because you've already done that for us. You provided it on the cross, Lord Jesus, when you died. So, Father, I thank you that every person in this room is reconciled with you. I thank you that they will make their relationship right with you today, right now in their hearts. And, Father, as they say yes to you, that you come with open arms. And like Pastor said, you don't, you don't come to spank them, but you come to hug them. So, Father, I thank you that you give each one of us a big hug for all of the mistakes that we made today. And you just tell us in our ear, you just whisper in our ear, it's going to be okay. And I thank you, Father, that every person is settled in their heart today in their relationship with you, God. Pour out your love on us, God. We just thank you for it so much. In Jesus' name. Did that help you? Was somebody struggling with that? I just, you know what? Let's just give the Lord a great big hand for today. I think that he just came through no matter what. No matter what we do, he comes through. It doesn't matter. Thank you. We love you guys. And he said if you give somebody a cup of cold water in his name, then it's like you did it to him. So that's how we treat the world right there. Yep. Yes. Do what? We return in the forms. To If your kids were selling uh, candy for the kids' cookies, take them to Mark today. Turn them in today, all right? Thank you very much. Find someone. Be friendly. Multiply. And in 10 minutes, the worship school will be ready to go.